This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. I am so excited that we've got Alan Peterson on, the Executive Director of the Compassionate Friends. For everybody uh, who doesn't know about Compassionate Friends, Compassionate Friends is the largest grief recovery site in the world for loss of a child, a grandchild, or a sibling. And it is an amazing organization. Just in the United States, there are 700 chapters. And Alan has worked with thousands and thousands of people. Plus, he writes his own music. He's a professional singer. I mean, he is the man, right, Heidi? Absolutely. And, and Alan has hosted a lot of our cable shows and our radio shows. His daughter, Ashley, died at the age of 18 in a car accident, and he dedicates his work to her. And today, we are really going to tap Alan's mind about what he has seen as help, helping bereaved people, how they have gotten help, how they have found hope, and what have been obstacles that get in the way of finding hope. So welcome to the show, Alan. Hey, thank you so very much. It's always an honor to be on the show. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for uh, a while now that I get to be with the two of you today, and we get to talk about the compassionate friends, but just about grief and loss in general and uh, and how people get through it. So I'm glad to be uh, here today and to be able to share my thoughts. Thank you both. Alan, tell me why you think a, a group is a, a good thing. And Compassionate Friends also is a self-help group, so it's not even uh, professionally. These groups aren't professionally run, the 700, plus the fabulous conference, which we can get to. But what do you think group does for people? What have you seen? Well, you know, I, I go back to I, I stumbled into the Compassionate Friends. I always tell people that I actually stumbled into getting help with my grief. Uh, so I accidentally found it when Ashley died. Um, I just, somebody had sent me a letter in the mail and, and nothing was working for me. I was isolated, um, angry. I couldn't figure out, you know, I just didn't have any hope. And so I begrudgingly went to my first meeting of the Compassionate Brands back in October of 2001. And I was one of those people, as a lot of people do. I sat in the parking lot for several minutes. Uh, I just like, no, I just, no, that can't be me. I walked in the door and the first thing they did is had me fill out some information. And I, I remember writing Ashley's name down and going, oh my gosh, this is so real. But what it was about, I don't remember a lot about that first meeting because I was so new. But what I took away that brought me back was when I sat there and other people were talking about their loss and some as new as I was, and some that were down the road a bit, it just felt safe. It felt like, you know, and nobody there was trying to tell me anything or really give me any advice, but I was just hearing their story, and they were hearing mine, and I thought, you know, being around other people that somehow they're still here, um, maybe I could learn something. And, and I began to bond with those people over time and realized that, the most important thing for somebody like me was just to be validated that 
that what I was feeling, as heavy and as dark as it was, that it, it was what other people were feeling, and that it was, it, you know, it wasn't, there was some, wasn't something wrong with me, that I was grieving. And so I've been a part of it ever since. Uh, but, you know, it really, there's just something about being with others who've had the same type of loss or can relate to that loss that make you feel safe, that make you feel okay about feeling all that you're feeling because you feel so many emotions when you're in grief. So, so, Alan, it sounds like one of the main things that you think helps people after loss is being together in community. That's what I'm hearing with people that have had a shared experience. Well, you know, I can look back now. It's going to be 16 years in August. And today, if I were to just give two simple pieces of advice, and anybody that hangs out with me very long knows I always give these uh, two pieces of advice. But two absolute musts is, you know, one, educate yourself a little bit about the grieving process. Understand <clears throat> that it's, it's not just, you know, you're hurting, you, you miss your, your loved one, but it's mental and it's physical and it's emotional and it affects you spiritually and it, and it affects the relationships in your life. And it's not a linear journey. And all the basics that the three of us know really well, I think it's important that you educate yourself, understand what's going on with your body, with your mind, with your soul, with your spirit, and then having community and then having support, having people that you can say whatever you are feeling, whether it sounds outrageous or not. And that's the biggest problem. A lot of people, when they're, they have a loss, I mean, they're so hurt that they, don't, they feel like they, they can't go on. Well, you can't just make that conversation, friendly conversation around the water cooler at work or somebody, you know, somebody's going to, you know, say, hey, this person needs to be on something or see somebody. But when you right. get with and a group of people who understand the depth of pain, it's, it's huge. Yeah, you can't have those emotions either around the water cooler. I mean, you yeah, know, you can you can break down and people will let you do it. They're not going to try to stop stop it by saying you're going to be okay. Yes, that's right. And I, and that's a I mean that's a great point, Gloria. I think that's actually one of the, the biggest points is that you can say what you're feeling when you have when you're in a support group, you can say what you're feeling and people will just listen. They'll validate and uh, that, you know, yeah, you feel that way. And just that one thing, feeling validated, is huge when you're in grief. Because otherwise, you know, you think, gosh, I'm the only one out here that can't survive. Or there's something wrong with me. Or I should be feeling better or worse than I am. There's, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the greatest point of all. The other thing that I think Compassionate Friends does is it shows you people, examples of people that are further down the road. And so you see people that are kind of are invested in life again, that might be smiling, that might be laughing, that might be in a different place, and it gives you hope, and you kind of hold on to them as a lifeline while you're trying to deal with, how, how do I survive? Yeah, I, I, don't you guys think, you know, really you learn from both. That's what I love about compassionate friends, because you do learn from people that are farther down the road. And, and sometimes at first, you're, you're a little put off if you go to a support group and you see somebody who's 10 years down the road because you're like, you know, why is it that these folks didn't get the program? Why are they still here? Why didn't it take with them? You know, you're, you don't know anything about grief support, but then you realize they're there for you. They're there because exactly. they got exactly. their We're help. way out, out in grief, and uh, 
I just get so inspired by the people that really, first of all, come and, and the people who hang in with it and just seeing um, how resilient people are. Heidi, I wanted to ask you about siblings, too. What what does TCF do for siblings? Because Alan and I are both bereaved parents, and I, I don't know. I think parents get a little more uh, attention, and plus that you're dealing with adults so they can understand a little more of siblings in school, and the kids you know, want them to get on with the party after a, month, after a week or whatever. Yeah, I think Compassionate Friends does a lot for the siblings. I mean, for one thing, something we never really talk about that much is Compassionate Friends educates the parents about what the siblings, what their surviving children need. And I think that's really, really important. Um, when you go to a conference, it's interesting because the parents tend to talk more about the loss at the conferences and tend to share more verbally. The siblings tend to share, but they also tend to have fun. They go out, they go swimming, they do activities, they're very active in their grief, um, and they talk, they visit the subject for a little bit, but then they take a break from it. So it's kind of a back and forth more. And because we all know that we've had a shared experience, and just being in a room full of other people that have had brothers and sisters die is huge because a lot of the siblings were younger when their brothers and sister died and nobody else had ever had that experience. None of their friends had had that experience. I mean, I was 20 when Scott died. None of my friends had ever had a brother or sister die. So going into compassionate friends is very validating because there's other kids that totally get what you're going through. I think that's and a, something and a number of kids. So you not only have one, but right. you see you have a group. On, the, on the stage singing together mm -hmm. and, you know, totally different. Yeah, I think, Heidi, that's something that, that people like yourselves, uh, yourself certainly, uh, have spearheaded and really um, – shined a light on for us bereaved parents. And I think, in, you know, in the compassionate friends specifically, we have come a long way in understanding uh, sibling grief because you've helped to teach us. And uh, I know you and uh, uh, Gloria, the two of you, do a wonderful workshop where you'd speak about your grief from the mother and the daughter perspective. And I've seen that. And it really does help us parents. So I, I think that's one of the things I'm proudest of um, in TCF over the last few years is that we've helped to educate parents to understand more what the siblings are going through. And I think we've also gotten a greater respect for what siblings are going through. Just because you're not in grief every moment doesn't mean you're not grieving. And just because you're not talking to us all the time as your parents, we understand that you may be talking to other people. And uh, so you've taught us a lot, and I think that's really been a benefit to the compassionate friend uh, to help us truly be there for siblings better than we ever have been. Well, Alan and Mom, I want to ask you both a question. What do you think are the biggest obstacles that people have to finding hope after loss? Biggest uh, obstacles? You want to, go ahead, I, I think for a lot of people it's, guilt and shame, particularly mm -hmm. as time goes on, because I don't think people realize that bereaved parents, I don't care how your kid died, you, and I'm sure it's the same for siblings. If you're the responsible person, there's always a lot of survival guilt, mm -hmm. or why didn't I do better, or you know, why didn't I take care of them, or why didn't I get them an appointment, or whatever. I don't know. That's my thought, Alan. How about you? Well, I tend to agree. Um, I also think that um, it, it's such a we're in such great pain, and as we 
you know, of course, we start out in shock, but as we begin to kind of work our way through grief and as shock kind of dissipates, um, I think there comes a point where we have to make a decision whether or not we're going to survive or whether we want to survive. And then past that, we have to make a decision whether we want to thrive. And I think some people um, are afraid that if they let go of any of the pain, that they're going to let go of the love. And I think that's one of the biggest messages I try to put out when I speak uh, to grieving families who've lost a child, certainly, is that, you know, trust us. I mean, trust people that have been down the road. I love the saying you guys use in Open to Hope is, you know, if you haven't found hope, lean on ours. And that's kind of what I say to people. Trust those of us that have been down the road a ways and that can laugh again and smile again and have a quality of life. When we say that you can let go of some of the pain without letting go of any of the love. And as a matter of fact, the more you're willing to let go of some of the pain, the more you're able to embrace and really be energized from the love. But uh, it is difficult. Uh, it, it, people, you know, they say getting stuck in grief. I don't know if they get stuck in it. We all just move at our own pace. And I tend to believe that we move at, our, at the pace with which we're willing to uh, um, reach out and get help, help others, and, and what we know about grief. But everybody's well, different. And you Unfortunately, about like work, Darcy said, Alan, one side work. doesn't fit all. What's that? It's work, right? Yeah. yeah I think that's the biggest shock I learned about grief is, yeah, grief isn't something where you just stand there and it goes on all around you. It's something you literally must take the steps and move through. And it's hard work. And it's hard work and it affects every aspect of your life. But the hope is, is that you don't have to be stuck in your grief. You don't have to have a sentence in life that says you can never have a good life again. And people that say that do a disservice to grief and to the grieving people because I can absolutely positively tell you, and you both know, that uh, thousands and thousands of people I meet who have walked through grief, continue walking through it, and have found a life of great meaning, deep purpose, uh, and new friends and a new perspective that is a joy to their life. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're stuck, take a look at it. Are you forgiving yourself and others? Because I see a lot of people stuck in that being able to forgive themselves as well as others and, and some anger. It's hard, though, if you're involved in court cases and things like that, don't you think, Ellen? Well, yeah. I mean, I I really feel for people that get uh, in those situations because sometimes I feel, especially if you're seeking justice, you know, that comes to the top of the list. And sometimes people get caught up in these situations for, you know, months or sometimes years. And I think it's hard to really work on your grief while you're working on seeking justice at the same time. So it's difficult or not. Sometimes people will complete a case or whatever, and they may may even come out in their favor or something good, and they'll wake up the next day and feel horrible and go, you know, hey, this was supposed to be my, you know, the end of the road, but it's just the closing of one door uh, and the opening of another door where now they're facing grief head on. Uh, So it's difficult. I mean, every situation is different. Everybody's journey is unique. And 
I think the best thing we can all do, and that's why, I, again, I go back to support groups are so important. The best thing we can do is allow everybody to grieve in their own time, in their own way, and just support them and validate who they are and where they are uh, and not compare it to where anybody else is. Well, and the one thing I like about Compassionate Friends is if you are not the kind of person that feels comfortable physically going to a group, you can log on to Facebook and join one of those the closed groups there. Alan, about how many Facebook closed groups are they are there out there? I, I think we've got twenty twenty four now. Wow. And when you say closed Facebook groups, a lot of times people you know, they look at you like, huh? Because yeah. they don't know what a closed but but you know, a closed Facebook group is simply uh you have to be accepted into the group. So you have to give them your name and, you know, tell them about your loss. So an example would be we would have a closed uh, Facebook group for those who've lost an only child or all their children or those who'd had uh, lost an infant. Uh, you know, so there's all these different groups. So not only do we bring people together uh, united in loss of a child, a grandchild or sibling, but now we're also able to put them together united around what type of loss they had. And it's amazing what we found, how people love these groups. We have one for, for folks that had a loss by, by cancer. And, you know, they share and talk about, you know, the survival journey they were on and, and, and how they fought it and, 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 and just the unique way that affects them now in their grief. So it's been a wonderful experience to let people uh, gather around and, and friendships be made from all over the world with people who not only share the loss, but share the type of loss. Uh, so it's terrific. And, and they're open 24-7, 365 days a year, just like Open to Hope is, because grief doesn't always come to your door on the third Thursday of the month at 7 o'clock when that TCF meeting is. It shows up anytime, mm-hmm. as we all know. And I love those. And I'm a member of the Sounds of the Siblings Facebook page for Brief Siblings out there. And I'm also a member of the miscarriage page because I've had two miscarriages and they're great like you said they're great sources of support in the middle of the night or whenever you need them absolutely yeah so everybody should go to the compassionatefriends.org if they're looking to find out when your chapter's meeting in your local area if you're more than um, 18 months out you can start your own chapter which might be a great thing for you to do because I think we've all found that when you start moving out and helping others, when you get to the point where you feel like you'd like to do that to honor your sibling, grandchild, or uh, child, it's a great thing to do. And, Alan, tell us a little bit about where the conference is going to be this year and when. We're going to be in Orlando, Florida, the Compassionate Friends 40th National Conference in Orlando, Florida. We're having a chapter leadership day on July 27th. And on the 28th, 29th, and 30th will be our conference. Uh, we're going to have our Walk to Remember on Sunday morning, July 30th. We've got some really great speakers, uh, some, some amazing people right from Florida are going to be uh, in our morning conference. Um, a gentleman who's walked across the country, I think, seven or eight times now. He's over 72. I think he's 72 years old right now, but he has walked around the country wearing a sign that says love life wow. in honor of his uh, son who died by suicide and uh, the stories he has are amazing 
of the people he just has come in contact with who stopped him and asked about the sign. But over 100 workshops, um, it's just a, a time, you know, people say, well, a grief conference. But it's really a time to just come to work, learn about your grief, socialize and meet other people who understand trying to live life again. It's a life conference because really, if you think about the compassionate friends and open to hope, what we're really about is about living life after loss. How do you put your life back together? And, you know, what do you do when you've had such a profound loss? How do you put your life back together and start living again? That's what our conferences are about. And, of course, in the process of doing that, we honor our beautiful children, our grandchildren, and our siblings. But we, we learn how to live again, and it's Absolutely. great, and we laugh. We have a good time. All right. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's always so great to have you on, and thanks for all the work you do for the, in the name of Ashley and for all those who've had a loss. We love you. Thanks, love Alan. You thank you both. I enjoy very much doing, uh, doing programs with you. So bless you both, and thanks. You're the best, we Alan. I want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.